You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romamu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. You know, I was thinking, just walking up Broadway, passed by the West Side Judaica. And I had my first encounter with one of three Josephs I'll be introducing you to tonight. <laughs> Through the window I saw Rabbi Joseph Tulushkin, who's a member of the community, a dear friend of mine, and I thought, I want to just go in and say hello to Joe. So I walked in, and we started schmoozing. And before I knew it, a group was gathering to pray, and I said, oh, I guess they're praying the afternoon prayers now. And so I stood there, as right there in the middle of the afternoon, three o'clock, a group of, of prayers began to pray, and, um, and it happened. I started to cry. I got so quiet, and, and I felt the immediacy of God, of the infinite, closer to me than my own breath, and I just started to cry. And um, as the tears were coming, I thought... Now, how did that happen? <laughs> Unexpectedly, tears arrived via the root of the exquisite Joe Telushkin. I don't even think he knows. And tears, the tears of a particular Yosef, who living in the 18th century had heard about a great rabbi named Yisrael, Ben Eliezer, otherwise known as the Baal Shem Tov. And this other Yosef, the second Yosef, he lived in a town called Polonoya, and he didn't like the Baal Shem Tov at all. See, the Baal Shem Tov was all about joy and feeling, about ecstasy and about interiority. It was all about religious feeling over religious law, all about religious sentiment over religious sanctimoniousness, right? And so this Yosef himself wouldn't have anything to do with the Baal Shem Tov until one day the Baal Shem Tov paid a visit to good old Polonoya. And this very dutiful Yosef, who was the rabbi of the town, went to open up his synagogue one morning and he opened it and there was no one there to pray. And was he pissed. Oh man, he was miffed. You don't miss prayers in Polonoya, not when Yosef, Yaakov Yosef of Polonoya is around. And so he went to find where everybody was. And so he went out, and, and there was a Baal Shem Tov. And he had a group gathered around, and he was telling them a story and inspiring them and making them laugh and making them cry. And he didn't like that. I'll make a long story short. See, this Yaakov Yosef became the first student, really, of the Baal Shem Tov. And it happened right after that moment when they came back. And there are many versions of the story, a lot of mystery about what really took place between the Baal Shem Tov and this Yosef. But essentially, this Yosef, who had been an ascetic, who lived a very, very religious, austere life, in one moment, the Baal Shem Tov looked at him and said, you know, if you want to get the horses to neigh, you have to loosen the reins. And he looked at him and he said, you have to loosen the reins. 
And something happened. Something. And this Yaakov Yosef, this Yosef of Polonoi, couldn't contain himself. And like Ingber in that bookstore this week, tears began to flow. As my Rebbe, Reb Zalman, said, a mikveh of tears, a, a ritual cleansing of tears. And then in this week's Torah reading tomorrow morning, we're introduced to a third Yosef, really the original Yosef. A Yosef that has already been known to cry now and then. And the Parsha begins with this hero, Judah, who will come, Yehuda, who will come to Joseph after the whole masquerade of Joseph playing brothers off of each other and orchestrating a beautiful karmic test to see would the brothers fail once again. We have this moment and Judah steps forward, speaking truth to power, which we'll get back to. He says something into the ear of this Joseph character whom he doesn't know is his brother. And the text tells us in the beginning of chapter 46, I'm 45, excuse me, Velo yachol Yosef And Joseph could not contain himself. He couldn't hold it in any longer. And he cried out, let everybody leave me. And Joseph gave himself over to the tears. And there wasn't anyone there when Joseph began to cry. He couldn't. He means literally he couldn't. And with my kids, I don't know, it's that age that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, where can't and won't is the conversation. I can't do it or I won't do it. He couldn't. He didn't have the potency. He felt impotent. He felt lacking resources. Those who know the text well know that the word yachol, capacity, potency, ability is repeated over and over again. And Joseph stands out as lo yachol. He couldn't. What was it that Judah said that tamed Joseph? What was it that Judah said that conquered him? The Midrash is ambiguous. It says that Judah girded his loins like a lion that he was. He was prepared to pray. He was prepared to appease. He was prepared to go to war in the Midrash. But that's not the simple meaning of the text. The word and the message hangs on one phrase, Vayigash elav. And Judah approached Joseph. Judah approached Joseph. Geshu na, later on, when the brothers don't believe Joseph, he'll say to them again, approach me. Later on, for those who follow the biblical soap opera, Isaac, right? When Isaac blesses Jacob, when the whole thing goes down, it's all about Geshu na elai ve'amushabini, come so that I can touch you. Joseph doesn't ask Judah, but Judah says, let's close this gap. Let's close this gap. And then he does something miraculous. I want to whisper something to you. I think those two moments conquer Joseph completely. 
when psychologists want to understand the mystery of laughter. They say that laughter is the response to the resolution of ambiguity. The gift of risibility, it's called in philosophy. When something ambiguous becomes clear, it releases. What about tears? And psychologists say that tears, tears are the response to a burden released. That a child, some of you know this, when a child's parents are not there, the child will look actually and not cry. I know some of you are saying that's not actually my experience, but <laughs> when psychologists have done studies on children, as long as they're looking for the parent, they're engaged. But interestingly enough, psychologists found out that when kids see their parents after an absence, that moment of seeing becomes the moment they begin to cry, which is counterintuitive. You're seeing your parents, why are you crying? You were lost, now you're found. Amazing grace. <laughs> and say the psychologist, it's because at that moment when your parents arrive, when you're finally found, you can say, it's going to be okay. I can let down this burden. I can be tamed. I was thinking to myself, je t'aime. Jehuda says into the ear of Joseph, Je t'aime. I love you. We missed you. We wondered where you were. I thought about it with my father all of these days, and it didn't matter. He didn't need to hear that. He just needed to see Jacob, Judah. Right? When was the last time he saw Judah? They looked at him from a distance, and they threw him in the pit. Now Judah says, Can we? Can I get close to you? And Joseph says, ah, I've been holding this for so long. And he couldn't, he wouldn't, he couldn't hold it any longer. He was holding a burden for 22 years. And Judah said to that Joseph, like the Baal Shem Tov, to the other Joseph, you can let down the burden now. There is a burden our friend Rabbi J. Michelson introduced us to in his book, The Gate of Tears which we talked about last night here in Romamu, the, the burden of a sadness that has to be quelled, a sadness that society or culture says, especially at this time of the year, don't cry, don't be sad. But there is a great unburdening of those tears when we say you can let it down. You can be real. You don't have to put on a show. You don't have to go back into your room anymore, Joseph, and cry where no one can see you. What would it take? What do you need to hear? What do I need to hear? What do we all need to hear whispered into our ears that would say, put down the burden? Can you be tamed? Can we allow ourselves to be unmasked? The great poet Khalil Gibran said about our joy is our sorrow unmasked. Our joy is our sorrow unmasked. How's that for a happy Christmas message, everybody? <laughs>
Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. The winter has come. Joy is here. And so is sorrow. There is a burden that is being asked of each and every one of us to be released. If we could hear the words, Jetem, you are loved. If we could hear the words, the world will be built with love. The world will be built with the love and the courage of those who maybe approach power with a whisper, approach the closed heart with a gentle invitation to let down the burden. 